Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this somewhat weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and basis opinion. Today is October 26, 2015. This is episode 143. I am Scott Magnus, and I'm here with my big boy, my color commentator. I wish it was Ben McDonald, but it's Jake English. I am reporting myself as eligible. Yes. Uh, you can find us over at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can also check us out at baltimoresportsreport.com. Uh, check out their daily podcast with Jabby Burns and Zach Wilt called Baltimore Sports Today. Highly recommend it for your daily fix since you know this podcast doesn't decide to do a podcast for weeks on a time. Uh, you should also be checking us out in various other third-party applications. Stitcher, Miro, Double Twist, iTunes. Make sure you're keeping that updated because... That will, of course, be a little bit stagnant uh, in terms of this off-season plan that we're on. Uh, also, check us out on social media at Facebook and, most importantly, on Twitter at BirdseyeViewBAL. Jake, it's that most important time. What's your drink of the week? My drink of the week is a phenomenal gin and tonic. Uh, frankly, I forget the gin, but it came in a blue bottle, and um, I'm drinking it out of a very nice Star Trek a uh, pint glass. Excellent. There, there's no no beating that. Jake, I'm actually been drinking a Not Your Father's Root Beer tonight. Spiced Ale. I've had a hard time getting past more than one, though. Super sweet. It also has a strange aftertaste once you get through like half the bottle, but I'll manage through it. You know, it gets better if you get it halfway through the six-pack. Well, that's true. I've just been nursing the six-pack for a while. Uh, speaking about nursing our you know, content... Uh, let's do it in 140 characters or less for this week on the Twitters. This week on the Twitters, I'm going to start with a tweet from your my favorite player who yeah. plays north of the border. And this is, of course, Jose Bautista, a criminal uh, serial follower of Twitter. Thanks at DP Show, at Dan Patrick, for hosting me. I had a great time. Let's get rid of the at Orioles hat in the back, please. Yes. Yes, Jose Bautista took a moment to acknowledge the fact that there was an Orioles hat on set and pointed out. Can I be honest with you here? Yeah. I legit do not like this guy. It's kind of heelish. Got to admit. Do not like him. Yeah. Is it the beard? No, it's the fact that he's a complete tool on the field. I see. Well, I think we'll probably get back to Jose Bautista in a little bit. Um, Next one comes from Andrew Joseph. You can follow him at Andy Joseph. The at Deadspin account has been suspended because of MLB Advanced Media's archaic gift policy. Didn't see that coming. Look, for those that don't know, the SB Nation and Deadspin Twitter accounts were shut down um, a few weeks ago. But it wasn't because of MLB. It was because the NFL had certain issues with the gifts that are being posted. So everyone jumped, jumped to the conclusion saying it has to be MLB Advanced Media, including these broadcasters. And lo and behold... 
It turned out it was Roger Goodell giving his best derp face once again. Well, why would we jump to the conclusion that it was Major League Baseball uh, not understanding how social media works? Yeah, imagine that. Uh, next one I want to touch on based on is a, a great article by Dan Zembrowski. You can follow him at Dan Zembrowski or at D Zembrowski. Uh, and the tweet goes as over on ESPN, I read about the O's at the crossroads. There are Machado projections in here. And of course, this goes to the whole aspect of how good Machado is going to be for the next six years plus. And there is an advocation of, you know, if you're going to make a move right now is the move to make Machado, but there really isn't anything left in the pantry for the Orioles at this time. So the question is, if you're not going to sign Machado now to a long-term contract, do you think about moving on from him and potentially trading him to rebuild a farm system? Hello, darkness, my old friend. Yeah, yeah. Um, here's a drinking game for you, and this comes back to Mr. Joey Bats. Drinking game, I'm listening. Yeah, this comes from our good friends OBP Apparel. You should be following them at OBP Apparel. You should be following them, but more importantly, you should be wearing their shirts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, guys, you're going to have a lot of work on your hands with all the free agents, though. Just FYI. Be ready for winter meetings. Uh, well, actually, don't worry about winter meetings. Nothing's going to happen there for the Orioles. Uh, just be looking at, like, Mexican League, okay? Drinking game. Drink every time the word bat flip is said or the clip of Batista. Too late. You're drunk. Yeah. It was good times. Yeah, it was good times. Next, we're going to review a tweet from Camden Depot, who tweets at Camden Depot. So... If you reply to an Orioles tweet about longevity with a pay Chris Davis tweet, you are a horrible person. Yes, yeah, so those people can go uh, pretty much die in a fire, and um, they pretty basically can get lung cancer themselves That's for all I hashtag care. Hashtag D I A F. Uh, I also want to point out too, Camden Depot has had a great series on their website regarding the off-season blueprint. I would highly recommend anyone that uh, wants to get a little bit of coverage and some multiple eyes looking at it. Uh, to take a look at their blue pin series, I thought it was really well done. Take a look at it uh, through multiple focal points. It's a it's a choose your own adventure story, really. If you don't like that approach to rebuilding the Orioles for 2016, you can just choose another adventure. Yeah, although not many of them ended happily. No, they're all sad, terrible stories. Yes, yeah. I think we got to like 88 wins for the one, which was pretty pretty encouraging, actually. Would have been enough this year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Next week comes from Steve Molesky. First off-season edition, 10 questions for O's fans. First 10 questions of off-season focuses on Bundy, Davis, yada, yada. Uh, I guess one of those questions has to be, um, are the Orioles going to sign anybody this off-season? Um, but, you know, Steve Molesky is doing a, a great job putting filler pieces out there during this off-season. So, <laughs> Steve, we appreciate that work on a day-in and day-out basis. You and Rockabotko are trying as best you can to fill this absolute void of Orioles baseball activity in October. It's not even the off season. It's the period of waiting for the off season because other teams are still in the playoffs. It is the worst kind. Yeah. And there's, we're not going to criticize the Orioles for not doing anything really of significant note here. It's, it's that, you know, you're just preparing for the worst though. Next tweet we're going to go over is one from Ken Rosenthal who tweets at Ken underscore Rosenthal, and it's a link to an article he wrote. He says, in case you missed it, baseball's hiring practices closes uh, closing door to many. And it's it's not an article about uh, minorities not getting no. a, enough um, opportunity in the, the higher ranks of Major League Baseball when it comes to managing and to uh, GM positions. It actually says that there's this, instead of the old boy network, 
of hiring. You know, you got to be in the game for a while. You got to know the right people. You have to be in the right trees of coaching or managing or playing. It's that there's a new boy network of, and he keeps using the term Ivy Leaguers. Yes. These newfangled statisticians that are taking over the league. Like Andy McPhail. And it's and it's not leaving enough opportunities for those people who are experienced in the game. He's absolutely right, though, to a certain regard. I mean, it is so difficult for this old school group to find a job that Ruben Amaro actually had to take off the first base coaching job for the Boston Red Sox. I mean, that's just how difficult it is for right now for them. Yeah. So this is what I'm thinking. If the Orioles coaches didn't come back and resign their contract, was there a possibility that we could have seen Dan Duquette at third base this year? Uh, only in Canada. Okay. Okay. Well, that that's perfectly fair. Uh, well, with that, we've got some other deep questions that we want to pose to Orioles fans that you should be giving consideration to right now. Let's uh, let's figure them out uh, together. Like me and Jake were talking about, it's been kind of quiet around here on Bird's Eye View, but it's also been quiet on the whole Orioles blogosphere. Everyone is ready and ready to jump in anticipation for the future and what it may hold, or even just to get some answers about who stays from the 2015 season. So with that, we have to start with, of course, Vance Worley. Scott, we fixed it. Okay. Orioles offseason, fixed. We're done. (laughs) Put a bow on it. Vance Worley is an Oriole. We got this taken care of. Yeah. I, look, there's a lot of people, at least within the Orioles Twitterverse, at least, that were really big on this move. And, you know, a, a part of it comes back to people were looking at his ERA at 4.02, looking at his FIP at 3.82, and like, hey, that's not so bad. You know, he could actually have been, you know, a pretty decent pitcher for the Baltimore Orioles. Um, but Jake... I just don't see it. I, I don't understand it. You know, you look at it and you say, big deal, so what? Who cares? You know, you look at his, you know, platoon splits. He's been back both in the you know starting rotation for the Pirates in spot starts in reality. But he's also worked out of the bullpen. But nothing screams, wow, this guy is really interesting with, you know, some of the stuff. He is that kind of Brad Brockish kind of player, which is less like, eh. So my question is, what do the Orioles see in this guy that makes it worth him going into arbitration, which he's supposed to get around $2.7 million? So I I think the answer is this. Uh, Vance Worley is probably better than a lot of the options that the Orioles have going into next season in starting pitching. This is a team that, with guys like Wayne Chen moving on, had to make conversation. Poor Gary Thorne had to make conversation at the end of last season during ball games and say things like, "Oh well, T.J. McFarland is going to get a shot at pitching in the rotation next year in spring training." No, that is a terrible idea. And I love me some T.J. McFarland, but it's a terrible idea. Yeah. Vance Worley is clearly better than T.J. McFarland. 
What I what I think this all comes down to is in the the dead zone here between our season ending and the playoffs ending, they saw an opportunity to bring an extra guy into the organization who might not be here yeah. for very long that happened to be better than some of the crap that they had in stock. Sure. And I guess the question I have is, isn't this going down the similar dangerous path that we did last season where we're picking up these fringe type players for $2 million contracts and then preparing to DFA them? Let's come back to one harp, uh, one example that I want to give, and that's Ryan Webb. But Ryan Webb was one of these fringy uh, bullpen arms that was going to make around $2 million. And the Orioles ended up, you know, trading him uh, basically to recuperate their salary for a draft pick. If I'm looking at Ryan Webb and I'm looking at Vance Worley, I really can't tell a difference in terms of actual talent there. Um, It just looks like salary that could be going certain places else. And I understand it's only $2 million, $2 to $3 million. But as we saw this year, that slowly adds up. And I just feel like this is kind of wasted money at this time. Sure. It's wasted money, A, if they pay him. Right. Well, they're going to have to pay him soon because arbitration is going to have to happen pretty soon. And and it's only wasted money if this move stands on its own. Right. We're at the point of the off season where there is still at least the mathematical promise of more moves coming. Mm-hmm. If this is the only deal that they make from a pitching standpoint, well, you're in trouble. If this is just one of the various things that they try and he plays a part, a smaller part in the team. Right. Well, then maybe it looks like a steal later on. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Like I said, my only concern is the amount of money that is attached to him coming into the season. Look, this is a guy that was designated for assignment earlier in the 2015 season, and no team picked him up. He went to AAA. You can't tell me that if there was something there, someone would have picked him up. Um, sure. I, I have severe you know, concerns about this. Not even looking towards the future, just in the move itself, I don't see the value where $2 million is coming from. It, standing alone with all that we being all that we have to look at, it's not an impressive move. Yeah, it's it's just not an impressive move though. Uh, going forward, would be uh, making a decision about the qualifying offer for Matt Weeders, which has been a very hot topic within Baltimore. Um, so, just to put everyone on notice, uh, the team has five days after the World Series ends to offer a qualifying offer, which is fifteen point eight million dollars this year. Um, if Weeders declines, they receive a compensatory pick between the first and the second round. Um, and, and fans are split on whether it's worth the risk to uh, have Matt Weir's potentially signed for $15.8 million uh, for an additional year. Jake, what are your thoughts? Well, I think that question really is, you know, we're, we're talking about fans are split on the risk. What is the risk right. of Matt Weeders actually taking that qualifying offer? And I think you and I are actually split on this. Because, I think we are. Because I think that Matt Weeders had a disappointing enough season that being able to take $15.8 million to reset your market seems like a good deal. Now, the other side of that, of course, is the fact that he's giving up money because somebody's going to pay him too much money. And and the question is, will Matt Wieters take too much money over the opportunity to make entirely too much money if he has a successful 2016 season? Uh, so the risk is, is there. I think that there's a chance that Matt Wieters may take that qualifying offer. And if he does so, $15.8 million really hamstrings the Orioles, who you and I have said will probably have between 45 and $50 million to plug all of their various holes. Given the fact that even if it's a small risk, Scott, is that 
one third of your operating cash really worth putting into a catcher who we're talking about being replaceable by the likes of Caleb Joseph and Steve Clevenger? Look, I think you and I both agree that Steve Clevenger and Caleb Joseph could easily fill into the role that Matt Waiters has. Uh, but that being said, I certainly think the Orioles need to take the, this risk and put down the $15.8 million. They need to start getting draft picks if only if they don't say, hey, we don't want to draft people. We want to use that money and that slot money to overdraft to a certain aspect. Um, the Orioles need to rebuild their farm system, and the easiest way they're going to do that is by offering qualifying offers. Let's hypothetically say that Matt Wieters does accept. There's a good likelihood that he puts up at least a 2.0 war season next season, which would easily recompensate um, some of the value of that $15.8 million. Not to mention, if Matt Wieters signs for one year, there's also a good chance that he could be traded um, this offseason um, for a significant prospect or two. I wouldn't say it would be a top 100 prospect, but it would be probably a top 200 prospect for that $15.8 million contract. I also think that if you look at the catchers that are in free agency, no matter what you think about Matt Weiders this past season, Matt Weiders is the top catcher going into free agency this offseason. That's going to get somebody interested thinking that you know they can you know, catch lightning in a bottle and offer him a contract. I still think that if Weeders will decline, he will sign a contract for, you know, $15 million a season for three or four seasons. And, you know, he's someone it might work perfectly well for them. But I think, you know, knowing Weeders and knowing Boris, they're going to go to free agency. It's worth the risk. I think it's a very um, conservative risk on the Orioles part. I say go for it. What's the worst that can happen? You are right. It can tie up a little bit of your cash, but it's only tying up your cash for one year. This whole thing of thinking about the salary, you know, cap as we were reported for the Orioles, uh, we always think about it for one year, but you can't just think about it for one year. You have to think about it for how this is going to affect us three or four or five years down. It's like similar situation to Davis, and it comes back to the whole article I just wrote on birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. If you sign Davis to a contract for $25 million in year four, five, and six, it's going to impact your ability to sign Machado long-term as well. Would you rather have Davis in year four, five, or six, or would you rather have Machado? No, I'd rather have Nelson Cruz in seasons four and five. But yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, so oh. it's great to just look at 2016 and say, what's the payroll going to be in 2016? But you have to also look at future seasons as well and figure out what's the payroll going to be then. Sure. All righty. Well, that's our, our first and second important question. I think the next burning question for us, this deep question here in the pre-off season, as, we've, as we're calling it, uh, look, every name in the free agency market has been thrown out as a possible landing spot for the Orioles, except, I would say, a top pitcher. Yeah. A top pitcher like Price or Granke. Um, and, you know, Duquette has talked about wanting to add a pitcher to the rotation. He's talked about having the resources sure. to bring premier talent to the Orioles. What do you think the chances are that he signs, oh, let's say, a top 30 pitcher as an ace for this pitching staff this offseason? You know, I'd love to see them go out and sign Price, but I think it's probably less than 5% for a Price or a Granke or even a Johnny, uh, Johnny Cueto, who I would consider to be a top 30 pitcher. I still think they'll be targeting a top 50 pitcher like a Jordan Zinnerman or a Mike Leake or uh, Fister, I guess, is kind of top 50-ish if he's on point, but he's been really off lately. Um I don't think it's highly likely that they're going to sign a so-called ace. I think they're going to sign 
a player like an Abaldo Jimenez who could potentially be a number two or number three once again. Well, let's talk about that strategy. That strategy has been very interesting for the Orioles over the past couple of years. It worked out great in 2012. Yep. Right? So they assemble a staff with a bunch of threes who have the ability to be twos. Yep. Right? Um, and have a great lineup mm-hmm. and, a, and a really solid bullpen to kind of cover up the, those you know, times when they're threes acting like fours. Sure. Right? Uh, and they've done that the, the past few years. It really worked well in t- 2014. Yeah. Right? Even having the ability to overcome a complete zero of a Baldo Jimenez. But will that work moving forward? Oh, it can definitely work if you have enough twos and threes. Uh, I guess the question would come back to, do you think you have twos and threes? Is Abaldo Jimenez really a two or three? Is Kevin Gossman going to be a two or three? And is Chris Tillman going to be a two or three? I think we can put Miguel Gonzalez sure. as a four or five at hey, best. He, he could fake it for a year or two, but I think those days are beyond him. Right. Um, but I think you come back to, do you think you've got a solid group of twos and threes? And you definitely did not have that this year. You had a solid group of fives at best. Yeah. Um, and in some instances, you had a solid group of you know, quadruple A players in certain stretches of the season. Um, so it's really a question of, do you think the rotation as a whole can rebound? If it can't rebound, then it probably doesn't even matter for you to go get a price or a Granky or anything like that because one good pitcher isn't going to solidify the entire rotation. And just like we were talking about before, you'd sink all of your money into this one player and then yeah. pray for rain four days a week. Yeah. I mean, personally, I kind of like some of the ideas that are out there of, you know, let's not go for a price or Grunky. That's probably going to be unrealistic. But go out and get two starting pitchers that are going to be, you know, some really good starting pitching. And, um, you know, just make sure that, you know, they fill uh, two your rotations, including getting rid of potentially Miguel Gonzalez out of your rotation. I know Orioles fans are going to have a big issue with that. Of You know, Miguel Gonzalez has been an excellent contributor. 2012, he was lights on coming in and really solidified that rotation. But Miguel Gonzalez is a number five starter. And if you want to get better, you need to go and get better pitchers. So if you're putting in there, you know, Jimenez, Tillman, um, and then two number twos. Let's say it's Zimmerman and Leak. Let's, I'm just throwing those two names out there. And then you're also throwing you know, Kevin Gossman in there. Uh, I, I think that's an excellent rotation to throw in the American League East. I agree. Let me, let me throw something a little off the wall mm. at you. If they can't go out and get the big name, I have a plan. Okay. One of the areas that the Orioles also failed at was designated hitter. Mm. If they fail to bring in a big name, on the mound, I think they need to bring in someone big for the mound. I'm saying Bartolo Colon as a designated hitter. I I, I would pay I like to see that. it. I pay some money to see that. I would pay to see it. Uh, no, I, I think you're right. I think that simply from a cost perspective, it makes the most sense for the Orioles to go after that second tier of starter, and in doing so, can probably bring in two guys that are better than the options that they have in internally. Um, you know, I, I love me some Miguel Gonzalez, but I would be more than happy to bring in somebody from outside of the organization if I felt that that guy was going to be better than Miguel Gonzalez every every uh, time out. And I feel like that list is pretty long, uh, and and toward the bottom there gets affordable. Um, so yeah, I, I think that that's that's probably the way to go for the Orioles. I just don't see a guy like Price or Grinky coming here. Yeah. All right. Um. With that, I think it's time we actually talk a little real baseball that's currently going on. Let's talk a little playoffs. 
Um, so by the time the final team is finished celebrating the World Series, how much, Jake, do you think MLB teams will have spent on locker room celebrations in 2015? I wonder about this every year. That cannot be a cheap liquor bill. It really cannot. And and really, how much do you think those plastic tarps cost? That is that is quite a celebration. You would that know goes on. from seeing the plastic tarps, but <laughs> it is a very expensive celebration, and it happens a lot. I mean, think about it. You've got two wild card games, right? You've got what four uh, division series, two uh, conference series, and the World Series. I mean, that's a lot of celebrations going on there. Plus, you got to figure that teams who clinch also celebrate in the locker rooms. I mean. That's a lot of alcohol going down the tubes because most of it just ends up on people's faces. You're right. It does. But, you know, there's the good stuff that they give. And then there's the the crap stuff, basically. And not to mention. You mean like all of the Bud Lights that Tommy Hunter can carry? Look, you're the person that drinks Bud Lights and then posts it to your <laughs> untapped, okay? Um, but you're right. I think champagne has kind of gone out the window. And there's like maybe a dozen or so bottles, it looks like, in the clubhouse of champagne. But the good majority of it is when people are dropping stuff over people's head. It's normally beer nowadays, so, you know, I don't think it's as bad as you think it is, Jake. It's not like they're popping crystal in there. I would like to see some figures on that. I really would. All right. Here's the series. Well, I'll tell you what. It actually does cost a good amount of money. Um, if you're having issues, uh, you know, you know, sp- uh, paying for it, the Dodgers are willing to pay it off for you if you give them a draft pick back in return. You know, maybe we're onto something. Yeah. Maybe this is why the Orioles can't compete. Uh, Peter Angelos is not willing to pick up the bar tab. Gotcha. Should've yes, bought, sh- that's uh, that's a Peter Angelos' cheap joke. Yep, should have bought the Minish of its wine. Um, Jake, bigger choke so far in the playoffs, the Houston Astros or the Texas Rangers? I have a difficult time with this. Okay. I have a difficult time for this for for the reason that the state of Texas had one job. Yep. And the job of the state of Texas was to not create an ALCS that for Baltimore fans was completely and horrifically unwatchable. But this ALCS was like, I mean, I really had to root for the weather. You know, I didn't even care who won. I was happy that one team lost and I was, you know, really upset that the other team won. All they had, and they both had leads. Yep. They both had leads in those series. I will say... I never really took Texas seriously. I don't know why. I mean, that's that's probably my own fault. Yeah. Texas seemed to know what they were getting into when they went out and got Cole Hamels, and that was really what put them back toward winning. The Houston Astros, I feel like, at least by midseason, were the team to beat. Not only were they the team to beat in the West, they were probably the team to beat in the AL, mm. and they just slowly fell apart. They collapsed like a flan in a cupboard. So I will say, personally... The Houston Astros, who were the team I was going to put myself wholeheartedly behind, was the uh, was the choke. Now it has to be the Texas Rangers to allow three errors in one inning, and then to basically have a freaking bat flip of uh, glory be indoctrinated into MLB history. Texas Rangers, you're a notice. Uh, it was the eye roll that was heard all around Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, final question for you for the playoff edition. Orioles fans are torn between rooting for two teams this year in the World Series, one being the Royals, who burnt us pretty well last year. But the Mets, on the other hand, burnt us in history in terms of 1969. Um, I know our sister podcast, The Baltimoreans, uh, dedicated a portion of their last episode to try to entire, not entitle us, but trying to entice us to uh, root for the Mets. Jake, where does your fandom lie going into this World Series? This is difficult for a couple of reasons. Um 
you know, is not alive for 1969. Uh, but if you know anything about me, it's that's where my musical heart lies. Um, you know, 1969 is is uh, you know uh, Abbey Road and and the soundtrack to Hair. I mean, it, that event I did not witness still burns deep within me. But no, I got to go with the Mets. Uh, I do not want to see the Royals win. Uh, especially after what happened last year. I just, I, I can't watch that. Okay. Jake, I'm going to have to say I have to be rooting for the Royals here. Oh, and I have a reason. Geez. So we've talked about devil magic before. It's, it's come up. So specifically calling back to the Cardinals. But I've made an addendum to this now. What if we're seeing Missouri devil magic occurring with the Royals and the Cardinals? What if the Royals need to win in order to go back into hibernation for 30 years, in order to restore the devil magic back to the Cardinals. Who cares? Unless that devil magic is going to blow its way east with the trade winds and land itself in Baltimore, I could care less. Maybe those winds will fall onto the grave of the St. Louis Browns and then come back here to the Baltimore Orioles. We're really stretching here. Yes, exactly. We're really stretching. My my uh, my support is with the Mets. Uh, are you going to watch the World Series? Uh, yeah, I'll probably watch a little bit, but I will not be watching every single game like I normally would. I, I feel like the divide between watchers and non-watchers of the World Series is that uh, people who watch the World Series are are uh, fans of the participating teams, mm-hmm. uh, diehard baseball fans, yeah, and casual fans that just want to see good baseball. Yeah, uh, people who don't watch the World Series are people who are just not interested in baseball. And also people who are so bitter about the performance or lack thereof of their own team that it breaks their heart to watch. I mean, to be fair, I did watch a lot of last year's World Series, but also I just really wanted to see Bumgarner go against the Royals and see how well he did. Um, Oh, no. I do have a rooting interest for this World Series. The return of Chevy Guy. Oh, that's true. Chevy Guy might be back. Chevy got me if if MLB and Chevy have their stuff together, they will definitely get <laughs> Chevy guy back for another. That's true, round. especially if he, you know, they ended in Kansas City because I'm sure that was the Kansas City local dealership guy. Um, but Jake, I'm sensing a lot of internal issues here. Are you having a little bit of strife going on oh, currently? I've got some serious emotional Orioles baggage. All right. Well, I think the only way we're going to solve this is by pulling out the couch, having you lay down, and let's go ahead. And talk this out. I need some help. It's Therapy Corner. All right, Jake, you've got some issues. I think we need to talk them through. You've got some reservations. Well, you know, Scott, I, I just, I've been thinking about 2016 and I'm really worried. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Go on. I mean, it's been so great lately, you know? I mean, the Orioles have been flying high. I mean, 2012, nobody expected that. Yeah. It was a great season. And, and the best part was is that there was hope. Like, 2012 told you that there was hope and that that next season would also be good. And then, you know, 2013 was disappointing. And then we, then we had 2014. 
We got to celebrate Clinchmas. The, the Orioles won 96 games. They swept through the ALDS. And I mean, there were four really lousy games to end that season, but and there was hope. Yeah. Well, there's hope every single baseball season. I don't know. I, I'm just I'm having a hard I'm having a hard time finding it. I mean, we've got so much leaving. Yeah. And and I I'm having a harder time believing that you know the Duquette and Showalter regime is going to build a winner. I, I feel like Jake. I understand that it's difficult for you to accept change into your life, but Jake. It's natural human nature to know that change is good. Change is what allows us to continue to grow as people on a daily basis. Do I look like the kind of person that grows as a human being on a daily basis? You're right. Go on. It, today started out really well. I mean, I felt good. You know, baseball postseason was going on. It was a good day. But, well, you know, Chris, my friend from work, came over to talk about baseball. And he's a Cardinals fan. And, so he's pulling hard for the Mets, and that's when I started to unravel. Wait. He's a Cardinals fan that roots for the Mets. Well, I mean, he hates the Royals because they're local we'll, rivals. We'll get into that at a, later, uh, at a later session. Continue. I mean, I hate the Royals for a completely different reason. They took that season from me. But what does he know? He's a Cardinals fan. For him, there's always next year. For me, it's terror over what might be. Will this be the year that the dark period returns? Is this the year that the Orioles become the laughingstock of baseball again? Jake, you need to accept the fates that have been wand to you as an Orioles fan. But, but what happens? What happens if the Orioles don't return to winning in my lifetime? Do you understand what I'm telling you? I watched the last Baltimore World Series in a onesie. I'm terrified that I'm going to spend both of the World Series that I live to see wearing diapers. And that's if I'm lucky enough to crap my pants through a second. This is scary, Scott. I. Well, Jake, what you need to know and what you need to tell your friend that's a Cardinals fan is that you need to tell him that Adam Ray White needs to be traded for Dylan Bundy at the nearest possible situation. Well, that does give me hope. Yeah. Thanks. I, I, you know, I feel a little bit better. Maybe, maybe this off season will have some hope to it. I'm sure that we can trade our trash for their treasure. I, I'm sure that we will land all the free agents, and and there will be winning again in Baltimore. Thank you, Scott. Oh gosh, we've got a lot of work ahead of us. Nurses, can you bring some uh, lithium in here ASAP? And uh, Orioles magic. Oh feel goodness. It happen. Oh, R I O N. Oh, R. All 
All right, Scotty, I know that we retired Fantasy Boss for the season, uh, for the offseason, rather, uh, but I did want to talk a little bit about fantasy this week. Something very important in the English household took place, and that was a good old-fashioned fantasy football rivalry on the gridiron between my wife and I. Um, and so we have the very real possibility of um, of me suffering the indecency of, of being beaten yet again by my wife in fantasy. And it, it got me to wondering uh, what people's side bets are. I mean, do, do you do you and Carrie do side bets for uh, for your own battles in fantasy football? No, not really. Oh, see, it's vicious in our household. Um, I would never imagine that with your wife. Yeah, it's she, she might be a little competitive. So it got me to wondering, uh, what are your side bets? And and please think of the children. I'd like to keep this one PG thirteen. Tweet us at Birds Eye View Baltimore, uh, Birds Eye View B A L rather, with the hashtag hashtag fantasy boss and and tell us what is your side bet with your spouse during that horrible week or weeks of the fantasy football season when you you guys square off so again that's uh hashtag fantasy boss at bird's eye view b-a-l and with that i think it's time we go through the good the bad and the ugly That's right, folks. It's time for the good and the bad and the ugly. And, you know, certainly a lot of stuff going on that could easily fit into this category of the good, the bad, and the ugly. So, uh, Jake, did you want me to start this week or did you want to start? Oh, absolutely. Go for it. All right. Well, I think the obvious one that I'm going to have to go with this week for good is uh, is simply this. I like it. I like it. That's a solid argument. But... Uh... Scott, I'm not sure that you haven't considered the truly important good this week, and that's this. Hmm. It looks like we're on the same page as this one. Um, so really, there's nothing going on uh, that we want to really cover for good, bad, or ugly in, in a certain regard. It's kind of a empty space of uh, of nothing going on right now, which again is why we've been on vacation for as long as we have. But we wanted to touch base with you. Uh, we missed you, Birdland. And, and missed you, Birdland, uh, and just kind of touch base and just say, hey, we've got some uh, big things planned, at least to try to keep you entertained in the upcoming few weeks. So, uh, you know, just stand by. We appreciate you continuing to check in with us and uh, urging us on to come back to the airwaves. But... We don't need to be putting out, you know, hour and a half long episodes that are just about nothing. It's as simple as that. This this is not Seinfeld. Uh, this is Seinfeld's only like a half an hour, but yeah, that's yeah. It's kind of just that's exactly the point. So we encourage you to continue to hit F five, check for things on birdseyeviewbaltimore dot com. And with that, Scotty, I don't know about you, but I have nothing left. Uh, I, I really have nothing else either, except to say, um. Go Orioles. What's your prediction for the World Series? 
I'm going to go with the Mets because otherwise I'm going to do a lot of crying. So you're going Mets in six, seven, five? We'll, we'll go six. Okay, you're going Mets in six. I'm going Royals in seven. Uh, Royals win on a walk-off home run. No, that doesn't work. The Royals would win on a, uh, a blue, dying, a dying, a dying quail. quail. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point, actually. Okay, t- tip my cap. Baltimore and beyond, I bid you all a fond adieu-adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. It's over. Go home. Go.